0: Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. The Over the Ball Daily World Cup podcast is brought to you by Soccer America, the soccer paper of record, and by Octane Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn and Chris Chamities. And then there were eight, uh, Croatia, Brazil, Netherlands, Argentina. Morocco in a uh, surprising win over the Spanish. They're going to be taking on Portugal. Then England, France. So all the big boys, except for Morocco, Chris. Um, missed talking to you last week. You are on the road uh, with your full-time job recruiting and uh, doing what you do well. Um, but I, I want to get your thoughts on uh, the U.S. game with the Dutch because I talked to Dominic Kinnear afterwards, and um, we were both sort of, um, you know, I think in the, the – The heat of the aftermath of the game, we're just kind of, I don't know, maybe our soccer expectations are too low, but we're just thankful we're kind of at the dance and that we saw some really great stuff on the pitch. But the Dutch were clinical, dude. So uh, what were were your thoughts on the game itself?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways to look at this. I think from the the short-term perspective where we didn't qualify for the last World Cup and now we have and got out of the group, I think it's okay. Obviously, we're heading in the right direction. That's a return to the positive. Uh, in terms of being a long-term fan, this is what we always do we get out of the group we play one game and we're out yeah. uh, and so in that sense we haven't moved the greater needle I guess you could say of of being able to push out of it. We were fortunate where our group I think was much weaker than expected I don't think Iran and I think Iran and Wales looking back on it were two of the weaker teams in the entire tournament and we, and
0: we struggled finally, and we struggled with them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah we struggled specifically to score right? Uh, right against them and and i think england on the day that was their worst game of the tournament in my opinion um so we caught them on an off day where we had a really good day and we didn't win that one either so you know i, I don't know if we did uh remarkably well i think we did really well in terms of returning to our normal standard but we've not broken the mold and advanced out of that uh and and then all of a sudden we play now you know uh a good team in Holland who is prime for the game in a knockout game. And we make a couple of mistakes and we pay for it. The part that bugs me, I didn't leave the game so cheery. I I had some anger. You know, I feel like there's some mistakes that we make that, you know, Hey, we've been making that mistake for a year or two, you know? And so it's uh, in that sense, we're not correcting certain things. I, I could have told you a year or two ago that Destin, Anthony Robinson would have issues with awareness, you know, in terms of defensive details and stuff like that. And an inability to score goals. That was another one. Like, and so all the weaknesses that we
0: had, it seems
1: like we've had those for two years.
0: Uh, Yeah. uh, You know, I guess, I mean, it was about a a lack of maturity, I would let's say in the performance, because, you know, as a, as an outside back Dest was doing some magic up and down the right side offensively, but uh, a a classic defender, you're kind of like, wow, it's, it's safety first. Right. And then you move forward. Um, doesn't follow the blind run. Uh, the Dutch seemed to change pace, uh change the rhythm they controlled the game in in an odd way if, if they kind of lulled us into thinking we were actually gonna score and uh, we're pressing them and then they just kind of absorbed it and then uh, it countered the the I guess the positive I would say is uh, you know that MMA midfield i I would put that up against you know anyone any midfield in the tournament really, which is pretty amazing and they're young. so I guess that was the cause for optimism what i find so and then the the need for a nine uh, straight it seems like every country struggles with that a little bit um you know you can never have enough goal scores we don't have any really um and then our defenders uh, you mentioned the outside back central defenders i thought ream did a great job and i thought even zimmerman did except for the you know a, a few miscues but in the back seems to be where teams are winning games this whole uh, push for possession to win games. It didn't help the Spanish. They got to the, the final third of the field and they can't do anything there against Morocco. The United States, I think we had more possession than the Dutch did, which was pretty amazing in and of itself. But as we see now, th- you know, possession is not everything. It's not anything in some respects. Um, if you don't shore things up defensively, then I think that's what the Dutch just absorbed. And, and um, they forced us onto the outside uh, with crosses because they knew they had big men in the center and we didn't have anybody who could really get ahead on a ball up there a uh, big number nine and so uh, it just we're outclassed I literally thought we were outcoached as well because uh the way Zimmerman and and uh Reem coming out of the back was they had our number they knew exactly what they wanted to do yeah I mean they gave them
1: the ball and which is fine we just need to show patience and still control the game in ways where we don't get hurt in transition I thought we did that generally fine uh we didn't create enough of a threat like even the chances that we do get in that game it's from Pulisic uh, in a weird transition moment where Tyler Adam makes a play and is able to win a ball and, and, and you know, clip it back over the top and he gets a yeah. great early chance. Uh, you know, I don't buy the maturity thing. I think these guys, you know, whether it's Dest or Robinson or Pulisic, uh, okay. They're in the younger 20s, fair enough. They, the prime, quote-unquote, is in the older 20s. The next World Cup, they should be a bit further along. But these are all things like the, where we stubbed our toe are in areas where we should know better by this age. I mean, these guys play for Chelsea and, and Milan and, and the Premier League and all these kinds of things. Like You should have learned a lot of these lessons in terms of attentiveness and all that kind of stuff. These are individual character flaws. You know, Robinson is a little less alert, super fast, but a little less alert. Dest has his moments where he concedes things, and the mental strength of these of these areas are things that, as a coach, you'd want to be on top of early. Uh, and and I just feel like those guys, as as much as they bring certain positives to the table, the negatives that they bring that they brought to the table are negatives that they've been showing for the last year or two, and we didn't correct those kinds of things. And so, from the outside looking in, it didn't seem like there was attention or progress in those areas. So I'm critical of that. Same thing with idea of scoring goals. You know, like we we get enamored with CONCACAF and all that stuff. But when the bar goes up and we have to score goals against those teams, you know, we, everyone's leaving the World Cup talking about not having a number nine. You and I have been talking about that for weeks. So if you right. don't have a nine, you don't keep trying to have a nine. You have to figure out a different way. I think we got that wrong.
0: Yeah, you, you know, it, you, to go back to the you know the outside backs, which is where a lot of stuff broke down for us. Uh, I, I used to have this criticism of Yedlin. Guys who are blessed with incredible speed, they get themselves out of position because they can take chances over and over. And then, as you said, they raise the bar at a ne- the next level. Suddenly, you're not getting goal side. You, you, the, the, the timing's gone. They're past you. It, it's out of there. And you can't recover. And I think, you know, you, you talk about um, all all those guys, Yedlin and the other two outside backs. It's like they're speedsters. but. They, they got beat because they were looking to go forward, and I mean even that's like why Alexander Arnold is not playing in the outside back for for England. He he goes forward too much, and we see the great things he does for Liverpool. But it just seems to go back to my earlier points. It's at safety first, and build from the back and come out. So um, it brings us to too Then so is you know what I, what upset me a little bit about this team is it was not set in the months leading up to the cup. Still too many variables. Um, you know, uh, Reem, you and I talked about it before Reem was even mentioned. I said, how could he not be in the cup? Because they're still struggling with the inside, um, you know, central defenders. And Reem's playing every week and playing well in the Premier League. So, uh, you know, and then he steps in. I think people remembered when he was playing outside back and he didn't have the speed for that. But um, why were these things left unanswered so, so late, so long in the game? And I think that um, that hurt us. Yeah, I mean, look, I think conventional wisdom is that Berhalter
1: is going to get hired again. Um, I think the, the, the conversation that needs to be had with him would be, if I was at US soccer, I'd be asking him knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently over the last six months, 12 months, two right. years, um, to see how he would handle those kinds of questions. Um, because I would need to get a grip on how he sees the weaknesses of the group and how they can be improved. Um, that would be something that I would really have to have a sense for. Cause it could be that we've just reached the threshold of what his abilities are maybe it requires a new person to come in to take us to another, another plateau. Um, I don't know that I'm not close enough on the inside yet, but if I'm U S soccer, those are the kinds of things I'm looking at. I don't know if we're in a world where he doesn't get rehired. I think he does. Um, yeah, good or bad, it's, that's where we are. I think,
0: you know, you look at that midfield and then, uh, you know, the MMA midfield, and then you look at Aronson and Polisic, uh, Dest, Weah, these are, qualities that we did not have uh in large numbers on american teams in the past what we did have was the big american central defenders kind of thing which is sort of uh an american quality and to be uh sort of in a deficit position there zimmerman's 30 uh i think Reem is 34 or 35 i mean so there, you know zimmerman might be able to hold on but um you know in four years but maybe not so That's it as well. So the number nines and the central defenders, I think. Um, And then to play in a system where you do not get caught like that. I mean, Dest was just dealing on Blind. It was, uh, it was embarrassing. And if you've ever been on the outside back when somebody is coming at you, just like, oh my God, here he comes again. And that was what was happening because Blind is, you know, he, he plays well, but he's slow. Uh, but he thinks enough to kind of, you know, make up for his mistakes, like the opposite of what we're talking about with the Yedlin and Dest is burning him up and yeah. down the field. And then Blinn comes back and scores the second goal in 93 games that he scored for the national team. Yeah. No marking, no trailing. He didn't respect him and he paid. There's another part to this I don't think it's being spoken about enough
1: which is that we fatigued in that fourth game specifically Tyler Adams specifically McKinney we understood because of his injuries but the both outside backs were more fatigued than ever before in that second half they both needed to be substituted Tyler Adams as well Tyler Adams is goal side of Memphis to pie when that play begins and he doesn't track him on the back end and Memphis scores in the space where Tyler would normally be. And that's not a shot of them individually. I think it's more of a shot of like the number of minutes that they played and how they were asked to play. Right, It was very hard for them to get to game four and have any legs left. And you have to think about that as a coach. Uh, I'm not saying that they haven't, but you have to think about the sustainability of how you're choosing to play because there's one thing to get out of the group. It's another thing to get out of the group and still be able to advance. And you have to coach your team, in my opinion, for the greater good, uh, which is to now – try to get yourself through the group and still be able to make a run beyond that. I think there was a sense that we had, we played in a certain style that helped us get out of the group, but didn't really help us once we got out of the a certain style that helped us get out of the group, but not advance past that. And so here we are going into game four. We're on fumes.
0: Yes, exactly. We did not have an easy game. Uh, the Dutch did, uh, and you know, looking back as you said, I think you said this before we got on air, it's basically Wales and Saudi Arabia. We, we, no, and Iran, we um we had to gut it out, and I you know you talk about Tyler Adams. I bet you in the first three games, Tyler Adams put on more mileage than anyone else in that World Cup. Uh, if you track the amount of running he did, because he's he's a, a, a freak in nature, it's unbelievable what he, he did. But yeah. Right.
1: But but as a coach you're, you're adjusting the needle as to how much are we going to push and get up and down up and down up and down knowing that that's going to create x amount of miles that they run that is cumulative in a tournament we only have 3 or 4 game 3 right. 4 days in between right now opposite end of the spectrum would be Spain where they run far far less than us but they are in positional they're so sort of technically they're in positional play and they're able to run less and hold onto the ball our answer is probably somewhere in the in the middle so that we would have had more legs for Netherlands but we didn't do that and so we paid the price against the Netherlands.
0: They, uh, they controlled the game, even though we felt like at times we were. So you would think he, get, he he stays on. Um, maybe a little bit of a talking to um, to figure out how we would move ahead. I think that's, you know, and in four years we've seen this before. Uh, you know, usually you had a, a flushing out of the older players, a bleeding out. This was a whole new group of young guys. They've got some World Cup experience. And I think it, it's going to be in the States we're going to expect a lot more from this national team. I think uh, those days are over. I think this this next incarnation is uh, you know, semis quarters at least. um and we're go- otherwise it's a, a disaster. It's a failure again. Yeah, being home will have a big
1: effect. It also adds some levels of pressure. But look, of course, they're going to be better just from the experience and the maturity you know, mm-hmm. that they earn over these next couple of years. But I think it's as anything; it's going to come down to the details of what gets put of what gets put into this team. You know, and can this group of players, or does it need to be some other group of players, be brought in with the details that will that improve what they've done in the past? Part of that is the game model that the coaches need to create, and part of that is what every player does functionally in their position so they can all be better off four years down the line. But that is to be determined. I'm not sitting here with like a very optimistic or pessimistic view. I just think we'll have to see how the staff works, how the players can engage those details, and if it's the right details that will help them to improve.
0: Well, a lot of the stories come out after the Cup. Obviously, what was going on in the locker room, what was happening before the cup, all all the things moving towards it. So we'll sort of know a little bit more uh, as we move forward. But I think you're right. I think he will probably get rehired, Um, but with some caveats, I I would imagine. All right, let's talk about uh, the teams moving ahead. Croatia, Brazil. Um, What do you think of that, Croatia? Man, little tiny country, and uh, and they do it. Croatia do it. Who who would be? Who wouldn't be? Yeah, one of the most efficient
1: teams at the World Cup. Uh, I don't know if they'll have enough to go with Brazil. I think right. uh, this World Cup is a two-headed monster, France and Brazil, in my opinion. And uh, after that, you know, maybe Argentina can can make a run uh, because there'll be a, a derby aspect to that semifinal with, with Brazil if that happens. Having said that, if anyone's going to catch Brazil on a day, it's an efficient team like Croatia. I just don't know if they'll have the legs for it. They've had to really play a lot of defensive players, a lot of minutes. Uh, and Brazil has rotated really well and just has talent after talent in the attacking position. So I see Brazil going forward there and I see them getting to the final. Uh, and and on the other side, I don't think anyone can stop France. I think uh, if they are right, um, there's just too much talent there for anyone to overcome, especially on that side of the bracket. Cause you can uh. argue that. The England game is the, is the semifinal.
0: Yeah, in a lot of ways. Nothing with the Dutch, huh? You don't think they're going to move forward against Argentina? Because I haven't been impressed with the way Argentina's played.
1: I I think Argentina has enough uh, with the way Brazil – well, look, Holland's good enough to beat Argentina just the way England's good enough to beat France. I just don't think those things will happen, but they are good enough on the day, yeah. I think Argentina's really good on the ball to hold on to it. I don't know if Holland will be able to use their power and their pace on the break. Um, they wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they catch him, you know, by surprise, but I still think that I think Argentina can get goals against Holland.
0: You know, um, watching the Portugal game yesterday, uh, it was sad and weird and uh, pretty amazing. They, they played well. Ramos just, I mean, just a couple of those finishes were amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we have Ronaldo acting like an asshole at Manchester United. And it's all about him, which you look as a coach, you love. You love a guy who's got that cocky, give it to me attitude um, and wants to score more than anything else in the world. But I I feel like he's really tarnished his reputation, just the selfishness of it. Um, You know, put the ego away and. You know, your country wants to win and the coach is trying to figure out the best way to do it. And he sits him. He pisses and moans in the press, you know, walks off in a huff. Uh, Coach, I thought, dealt with it quite diplomatically. Uh, But here he is, another coach, another place, doing it again. Um, And then this (laughs) Ramos goes out and puts on a world beater show. So it's sort of like, you know, meet the new boss. Same as the old boss, but you, you're you're sitting on the bench watching this new kid come out. And the coach was sort of validated, I think, with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you have Messi or Ronaldo on your team right now as a coach, you're tactically compromised. You have to revolve how you play around having those two people. I and mean, when right. you take him off, or uh, in, in this case, Portugal takes Ronaldo off, they're liberated to to play a complete game model. And, and I think Ronaldo would be a great super sub in this tournament. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not he'll wrap his head around that role. Right. Uh, he has very little to say right now because his replacement scored three goals, so that makes it easier for the head coach, right, um, to keep Ronaldo as a sub at least at this point. And and I think there'll still be a time for him to play in this tournament to play a big role, but he's going to have to probably embrace this secondary role. Uh, otherwise, it could lead to dissension. But the Portuguese coach is fantastic. You know, his experience is great. That's kind of kind of coach we need you know, America, you know, like someone who's just a chain smoker and just, lives in <laughs> soccer and, you know, that kind of thing. Right, That's right. what we kind of need. But in the meantime, he's got the
0: experience and
1: the clout in Portugal to do what he needs to do to advance his team.
0: Yeah. We got to get Burhall to wear more than a t-shirt, and maybe start chain smoking in a suit, ill fitting, you know, like, it's like the, all those coaches, <laughs> exactly. all those coaches from Europe. Yeah. I remember playing in uh, the Laza league in Boston and, uh, you know, I was like the only American on, on the pitch and right, you know, halftime halftime somehow the polish and italian guys would pull out cigarettes i'm like where was that was that with a, a box of yeah. cigarettes in your in your yeah. in your jockstrap strap? They're, they're smoking before they got to the sidelines um I, I love seeing that old uh that old sort of soccer world so um all right so good stuff um you know we'll come back and and we'll talk uh after the um semis and the finals obviously you know a lot to be thankful for but you know a lot of work to still do um you know, when you uh you know, you, you coaching the women's team and the, the US national women's national team, they're gonna have a, a tough road ahead uh for them as well as they move forward. As there's you know, there's world parody. Um and we said that last week, but world parody, but yet here we go. We have all the big dogs are in the fight except Morocco. So um Jesus. Uh but Germany's not, you know. So the Gary Lineker quote goes out the window. Um, I wanna uh, to give a shout out to Pele. They uh, you know, I, I think Pele is always seen as the top dog ever uh, player. I don't know if it's because the the color and the magic of uh, the color of like yeah, remember the posters with the yellow and the blue shorts and the and it just I remember as a kid being like in Technicolor this amazing player who used to just get beat on um and the amount of goals he scored uh just amazing when they didn't protect players uh you know see all the two-footed tackles coming in on him and everything it was you know watching him and georgie best uh it, it was a you know um rush right all these guys so um i guess he's battling prostate cancer um so we uh that the team unfurled that big banner so it was nice i think That could give them a good emotional element, the the Brazilians, because, you know, I used to say it it hurt them in a way they, uh, in the last cup, when they they were all crying about Neymar, it's like, look, you're professionals, gentlemen, get back on the field, we all get hurt, uh, whether it's cheap plays or whatever happens. Get on the pitch here, man. And there's another young kid sitting on the bench who's, uh, you know, uh, Rick Carlton or something. You know, they're great players there. Get on it. And so they started to go down that road again. And I think you can't do that with a current player. You need to do it with somebody as legendary as the great Pelé. Thoughts?
1: Yeah. I didn't I didn't hear prostate cancer. I thought it was like pneumonia or something like
0: that. Well, Are you he's sure a, about prostate well, cancer? Well, I think, yeah. He, he had um, either prostate or colon. And I think... Um, that, so that's weakened his his sort of immunity. I think he's in in the hospital with an infection. So yeah, yeah. Um, he's no, eighty two years think, old. Uh, though, so. Finding a great
1: motivation like that to you know give a gift to Pele and the people of Brazil one last time. Uh, this team doesn't need extra motivation. They're enjoying themselves. I love their coach. He's been good for a long time. Um, but you know, I think they're as good as it can go. But yeah, I, just, I mean, Ken here is digging it up. Respiratory infection aggravated by
0: COVID. So it sounds like Oh, it's- COVID too. Poor Pelé. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. H- here's the he's thing, Chris. Too, right? so. Well, he's 82. So I, I think, I, I, you know, I root for, for the Brazilians because they play such a wonderful style. They're so fun to watch. Uh, and if they don't play well, they... They don't don't mind going home. We weren't playing well. Um, But uh, thinking about Pelé, it would be a hell of a win. I think about Messi and uh, what a a gentleman he's been, except for the Mexican flag issue, of course. Um, But uh, I'd love to see him get a World Cup. I'd like to see the Dutch win because I'd like to see the team that beat the United States maybe advance. Um, So, and, you know. Uh, the English, I always have said that I think the Americans are going to win a World Cup before the English do. So I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I don't know if it'll happen this time. So um, so good stuff. So, uh, all right. So who's your who's your favorite? You think it's the French? France. Okay. I mean, France. even even with a couple of injuries that they have, they still just, they're, you know, they're machines. And I, you know, you yeah. talk about a number nine, Giroux. Giroux reminds me of a big American athlete. I mean, finishes, goes forward. He's yeah. tough. You know, that's what we need um so they have size speed experience uh you know pedigree they, they have everything
1: they have everything um, they have the coach they they have everything if they're in the right frame of mind and if and and they have a special special talent in mbappe if they can keep it all together uh with the right you know attitude you know they're going to be just as good as anyone uh
0: good enough athletically to compete with brazil as well all right chris with your son if you had to send him away to one country to learn the game and continue his growth mm-hmm. as a player, where would you send him? Portugal. Would you really? Wow. That's who taught me to play the Portuguese. I mean, I, I, I say that I say that in a weird way because
1: it's like the it's a good question. The uh, in my time as a scout, you know, at different places, mm-hmm. you look year in year out at all the youth World Cups and uh, the national teams that are coming out of Portugal at the under seventeen level, et cetera, et cetera. They're some of the most coveted players in the world, really? and, and their price points are super high. They do a fantastic job, in my opinion, of blending technique with savviness, um, w- with freedom. It's it's they're not pigeonholed in one way. There are a lot of creative players, uh, and and they're also very sound in many ways. So I feel like there's a really good balance there
0: coming out of that country of technical players with wow. creative players as well. They're so passionate about it too. I said, uh, you know, I think part of my story is I started playing when I was, I started playing soccer when I was 14. So I was the tailback on the, the junior high school football team. And I just kind of got sick of the mm-hmm. whole thing and started to watch the soccer guys at practice. And I remember I started putting shorts and a shirt underneath my football uniform. And after football practice, I'd stop and just play soccer. And the guy there, they were having such a good time no cigar chomping guys shouting plays and timeouts and all that stuff. And it was a guy named Jose Barros, who was the Spanish and Portuguese teacher in my, uh, my high school. Um, and he said to me, when I got to high school, he goes, he goes, Kevin, just, uh, put on some music, smoke a bone and just dance around the ball. And I'm like, wow. I like yeah. <laughs> he goes it's coaching. He goes, you got to kick in your creativity. And, uh, and, and it was wonderful. And then when I, you know, uh, with the Hartford Portuguese, we went to the U.S. Open Cup, so it was, uh, it was there, it was there that I, you know, there was a great thing about soccer, all the cultures that you see, and uh, you know, you just take it all in. You know, you've been to the yeah. German American yeah. club, you've been to the Italian, you know, club. The Portuguese one, You know, um, I remember leaving the Portuguese club my first time going back uh, to college with the uh, the Hartford Portuguese, and they gave me a, a drambui and a, an espresso, and holy shit, I was fired out of a cannon go no <laughs> so having said that if i have france uh with the last eight teams left who do you got um i think france is the easy call but i, I think brazil i think brazil yeah i think this is their year well, they, there's a non-easy call yeah i know i know i know but you know playing and uh, who knows i don't know they're not playing in europe or central or south america they're playing you know or north america they're playing in, yeah. in the middle east so that takes away that because a lot of these teams don't play well on the road, you know. But you know, the other thing, Chris, is all these guys know each other now, and that's why I think fouls are down. I think, and I wanted to talk to you about the refereeing, but we we got to wrap this up. But um, you know, talking about the refereeing, I, I think it's pretty good. What I've loved is the way Mexico take it takes the starch out of the ball at the end of a game, where they all flopping and falling. And that's the one thing I would say about the Portuguese. I, I don't like the uh, the flops that they do a little bit. Um, they're really yeah. well, dete- you know. But uh, but I thought the refereeing was was very good, and especially adding the amount of time. You see, with the England game and the American game, they only add four minutes. But with the Mexican game, they're adding nine, 11 You mm-hmm. know, because they're 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 wasting time at the end. And I try to explain it to Americans, and they're like, "I don't get." It. I go, "Look, it's endurance, and you don't have that many substitutions. In fact, you have more substitutions than you've ever had before. But at the end of a game, it's it's about uh, endurance, and you got to get the guy off the pitch, get him off the pitch. You can't sit out for a play. So." I still find myself explaining things to people. And, yeah. Yeah.
1: But a healthy amount of gamesmanship is important, you know? Right. And that's where we are still a little naive in certain ways, you know? So, yeah, certain teams may go too far with it. But, you know, to strike that balance of, you know, understanding the games, this is where I think Croatia is fantastic. Understanding timing, understanding the flow of a game, understanding the efficiencies that are needed to get a result no matter what. It's one of the most efficient teams in the tournament. I, I don't know if they've got what they need to now, you know, go far, as far as it did last time, but what a team.
0: They seem a little beat up, but also like what you were talking about, coaching, Modric comes out as great as he is. It's like yeah. for the team, you got to come out. And and it was a, it was a good substitution. I got to tell this quick story. Uh, so I was flying from Boston to, um, to Burbank, California, but through Dallas. So I'm sitting – next to a guy and i'm in in business class because i'm a big deal and the guy on the tarmac starts getting on the phone he starts starts talking to his uh business manager and he's like hey, "He goes tell me about this whole soccer thing this is wild everywhere i'm going it's on a television my grandkids are playing he said why didn't you advise me to buy a team because this is the i'm like thinking like who's this dude I'm gonna give him a reach around yeah. Um, so it was, uh, it was, it was interesting to hear and the guy turned out to be 81 years old and, um, he's a big Texas, uh, gazillionaire, you know, I don't know why he wasn't flying private, but he was talking about this game called soccer, you know? So of course I talked to him afterwards and he knew the hunt brothers and all that stuff. So I said, ah. I said, well, they didn't miss the boat on it. They, uh, they were some of the original OGs, man. So, uh, yeah. it was good. I love when, when they kind of come around, you know, the, the great story of my life is my father, you know, wondering why I stopped playing American football. Um, and then, you know, knowing it at the end and, you know, coming to college games, coming to my pro games, it was like, you know, cause I used to do a joke about my dad, my dad coming to my soccer games when I was, you know, a kid in high school going, just walking around going, pick up the ball, pick it up. What are they doing? <laughs> They're all kicking it around, pick it up for God's sakes. Look at them. <laughs> pick it up and hit somebody you're an american so uh all right so there's some growth there but uh, we need a lot more brother and um uh you know look saying to our producer ken uh, at octane media these soccer stories even though there's no world cup there's still soccer stories every day that uh, that come up so it's a it's a great game it's the world's game and i'm uh, happy to be a part of it all right uh anything else before we go any more comments no, I'm looking
1: forward to these quarters. Friday and Saturday, uh, we'll yeah. the group will talk about that, and uh, you know, get ready for the the final four, quote unquote, because it should be you know crazy. You have Morocco or Portugal going to be in that group. You know, can they make a magical run here at the end?
0: Should be interesting. Yeah, I've been on the road for two weeks. My girlfriend's like, we're doing all kinds of things Saturday. And I'm like, oh, no, no, we're not. No, we're not. We're yeah. we're hanging around watching TV. Um, yeah. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have today on Over the Ball uh, for Chris Chavities. I'm Kevin Flynn. Uh, hey, and do us a favor. Will you uh, reach out on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter? Give us a follow. Give us a like. Uh, it makes a big, big difference in our numbers, folks. And pass this show on to anybody uh, that you think uh, might want to know more about the beautiful game. All right, everyone. That's all the time we have today on OTV. Call or text us at 424-229-2247. That's 424-229-2247.